Hey there, this is Cortland from NDHackers.com, and you're listening to the ND Hackers podcast. On this show, I talk to the founders of profitable internet businesses, and I try to get a sense of what it's like to be in their shoes. How did they get to where they are today? How do they make decisions, both in their companies and in their personal lives, and what exactly makes their businesses tick? And the goal here, as always, is so that the rest of us can learn from their examples and go on to build our own profitable internet businesses. Today, I'm talking to Gislan Gayat. Gislan, welcome to the Indie Hackers podcast. Thanks for having me, Cortland. Thank you. You are the founder of a meetup. It's called ND London. Tell us about that. What is ND London exactly? So ND London is the London community of bootstrappers, indie hackers, indie makers that want to help each other and meet to grow their online profitable businesses. Um, we do quarterly events, usually centered around key business concepts and offering the opportunity from our attendees who are indie hackers, bootstrapped entrepreneurs or people that wish to start their own business to learn from other people from the community, people that have succeeded already, people that have succeeded already, people that have some key skills. So we have had, to give you an example, some people actually that were on the podcast not long ago. So we had Ari Dry for Marketing Example as a speaker. We had Luis from Sales for Founder talking about sales. We've had um, some really successful bootstrappers such as Johnny from Ticket Taylor. So yeah, it's um, really the opportunity for India because in London to meet, connect, share their struggles and learn from each other. And I have been to one of your events. Yeah. It was exactly. about a year ago. Yeah. You had like an ND London workshop day. So I flew out to London and it was a whole Saturday of people just getting together in groups. And I think everybody worked from like basically nothing to coming up with an idea for a business to figuring out exactly uh, what kind of roadmap they would use to sort of bring it to life. And at the end of the day, we all got together and basically gave each other feedback on our ideas. So it was super fun. And that was one of uh, the many different formats that you've had for the meetup. Why do you run a meetup? What's the point of, of even doing this? So it all started, I think it's been now a year and a half, two years ago, um, that we started the meetup. I started the meetup and I've been in London for four years now. And about a year in living in London, I moved to London to be at the center of the tech entrepreneurship in Europe because, you know, even still today, London is still the place to be if you're into startup, into online businesses, into tech. Um, and I really wanted to grow my network and to meet, you know, like-minded people that wanted to start their own business. That was really my goal for me and find people I could share my struggles with. I did not think at the beginning of starting a meetup because I guess that's not the most obvious way to, to go and meet people. So the way it all started is a few iteration where at the beginning I went to other meetups. Um, so I went to business, the usual, you know, tech entrepreneur meetups. I went to software developer meetups, but there was always something a bit off. So tech entrepreneur meetups, you know, it was really interesting events, really interesting people, but often you have the, People that are past my stage where I'm just a, you know, a software engineer that built this project where in this tech entrepreneur meetup, you have people that have raised tens of millions and are already way past that. On the other side, in the software developer meetups, okay, it was software developers like you and I, but maybe not with a scratch to build a business. So I don't know, one day it clicked. Maybe I, I don't remember how, but I was hanging out on Indie Hackers. You know, it had been. Two years I've been there. You know, I've been following when you were doing the interviews, um, posting them on Hacker News, 
then built the forum, built the podcast, and I felt, yeah, but that's the community, I guess, that's the most similar to me, so why not simply meet those people? And it all started with, yeah, a post on the forum back in February 2018, early 2018, where I asked, you know, is there any indie hackers in London, people working on the project that would like to meet? And we met, we organized like about five, ten people replies, replied, and uh, we organized ourselves on Telegram, found some work, some time, sorry, that worked for all of us. And I think that's how it started. So really a motivation to meet other like-minded people, be together in a room. And from there, it just, I guess, just grew. This is also how the Indie Hackers Meetup program started, because it was a very unofficial thing. Like I didn't set out for there to be meetups. You created this Indie London thing just on your own initiative on the forum and people showed up. Uh, Mark Firstain in San Francisco did kind of the same thing. Like, hey, who's an SF? Let's all meet up. And again, this is like early 2018. And I was honestly kind of resistant to it. I'm like, oh man, this is going to be so much work if it's like going to meet people in person. And then I went to Mark's meetup in San Francisco and it was amazing. It was so cool to see actual people who were indie hackers who were working on projects or thinking about working on projects and just kind of feeding off of each other's energy. And so that was what, a year and a half ago? And today we've got something like, I think an average of 60 meetups a month. So pretty much any day somewhere in the world, there's two different Indie Hackers meetups going on. And Indie London is regularly one of the biggest. I think the one I came to, there's something like 80 or 90 people there all learning together in the Stripe office in London. So let's talk about how you you grew from five people (laughs) attending your first meetup to like 100 people attending your meetup. It grew a bit naturally, and I guess there was... You said something interesting. You, you used the word energy. I've tried to describe why I'm still doing it and why people are showing up. And I think there's this... I don't know, maybe it sounds a bit hippie, but I don't know how to say it differently, but there's this energy you get when you are in the same room with other people that care about the same thing than you. And we kind of all hang out online, we hang out on Twitter, but being face-to-face being in a small room with, you know, just 20, 30, 80 people, it's really something, there's really something different about it. So that's maybe why I keep doing it. Now, I kept in touch with the people that came in. We, you know, we discussed a bit what was the type of format people wanted. Uh, I tried to gather a bit of feedback and we got a lot of help from, yeah, from from Stripe at the beginning. So big shout out to, to Ross who helped us, helped us at the beginning and having that location helped really to put some, let's say, to keep the momentum. I think that's what really helped helped it grow, having certain momentum. So you guys have done a bunch of different formats. It doesn't yeah. seem like you ever really settled on one tried and true format that you've used for every meetup. Walk me through some of the, the different ways you've run your meetup. Yeah, so the very first meetups were kind of stand-ups. So people were coming in and we were, you know, at the time we were maybe 10, 15 people. So everyone was sharing what they are working on, what their struggles are, and then being able to connect with the person that you can help, the person that can help you. Something we have done quite a while now is the more speakers format where we have two speakers from the community. So I always try to find, you know, people from the community because one big learning I had when trying different format is that people want to get out there something actionable. So, you know, having speakers from the community really helped with that. We have done the workshop. So that's where you are one year ago now. And workshop has been really amazing. And to tell you how 
you know, there is this, I guess, need or this, yeah, this need for people to meet. People showed up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday and I was like, wow, why, you know, <laughs> it was very, the really very beginning of the meetup and we asked, you know, these 80 people to come up on a Saturday morning to work together and everyone was there. So yeah, that's a bit different format we tried and really impressed again how people are really willing to come and to get that energy and to share what they're working on. And one of the things that I liked about that workshop meetup was that you had a lot of help. It wasn't just you by yourself trying to put this thing yeah. together and carry all the weight on your shoulders, but you work with Stripe to use their office. Uh, you had Ann Lar there who now runs Maker Mag helping you out. You had Alex and Peter. People were giving talks and presentations. And a lot of other meetup founders on Indie Hackers will do smaller events that are just run by themselves solo, which are cool too. But I think the fact that you, you kind of weren't afraid to ask for help to work with others and collaborate meant that you were able to put on something that was unique that other people yeah, uh, really don't have the bandwidth to do. And I think now in London, so yeah, you mentioned Peter has been helping me for a while for this event. We had a few other people as well. And you know, I thank them a lot for that because you know, one day of event is not is not something easy to pull off. And I think what has been interesting yeah, is that in London we have maybe because it's such a big city, there is a certain mass and we have different type of events. So I know I have a friend Charlie who ran indie beers in London which is different type of event, more relaxed, where people meet at the pub, which I guess is the, the typical English uh, tradition. And yeah, we've done, yesterday I was with him, he was doing a work day session where people came in and worked together. So there is a lot of space to experiment, to do different things. And I think being willing to have other people help and have other people do their own things, it's, you know, it's amazing to, for the community. Yeah, Charlie is also one of our official Indie Hackers meetup founders. So the, the story behind that is after you and Mark and some others put together your sort of unofficial Indie Hackers meetups uh, last year, I built like a super simple meetups page on Indie Hackers where you could submit an event. And then I talked to my boss, Patrick, and he was like, hey, you know, why don't you make this even more official? Why don't you put up like a form where people can apply to be official meetup founders? And I did. And it went from like a small trickle of just a few meetups basically every week to I think 200 people filled out this application to become an official meetup founder, which is funny because we don't even do, we don't really yeah. do that much for meetup founders. I think we have all of you in a Slack room together and I just got some stickers that I'll be sending out. But yeah, Charlie running Andy Beers is an official founder in London. You've got your meetup in London. There's meetups in New York, Toronto, Vancouver, San Francisco, Bali, Paris. Australia. Paris, Paris is getting Paris quite is big as well. Yeah, yeah, there's a little competition yeah. going on now. I met <laughs> with uh, one of the organizers. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a big city as well. So it is lots of demand to do different different meetups. Yeah, and, and Joan and Barcelona has got a pretty big meetup too. Where it was forever, it was just like five or ten people meeting in this dark warehouse. He would send yeah. pictures and look like a very like Illuminati type meeting. And now I think he's up to forty or fifty members coming to his meetups every month. How do you gain steam with a meetup? How do you make sure that you get more and more people coming to the success of events that you're throwing? I think one thing, so there is a lot that happened, I think, just riding a wave saying, you know, there was really a need for people to meet and having, being broadcast on, you know, in the hackers, what you did with the meetup section, being included in the newsletter, having Twitter on Twitter, all of that helped. Something that helped at the beginning was a bit doing some out, cold outreach. So whenever I was seeing someone on the forum mentioning London, or whenever I saw someone saying they were, yeah, saying they were from London, I, I reached out and I told them about the meetup and all of that helped. But I guess I would not focus 
let's say, on making it as big as possible. I got some advice when I started. So I, I reached out to a, a friend of mine, Dimitri, that was running one of the biggest tech meetup, HN London, back in the days. And he told me to be very careful once it reaches, you know, 100 people. Because at that point, in terms of logistic, it becomes really heavy on you. In terms of dilution of the people there, meaning that the real value of the meetup is to be with other indie hackers, other bootstrapped entrepreneurs, and you don't want growth at all costs. And then you start having people that may not be really the target audience for indie hacking, let's say. I think that's what helped as well to, to, to keep things really tight and to keep things really, keep your target audience right always in mind. Since we are speaking of growth, I think one thing I want to mention as well is that maybe in London we are, you know, 80, 100 people now, but already when we are only 10 people, there was a lot of value from, from meetings. So I guess people listening, I think would be very helpful for anyone listening at the end of the podcast to just reach out, to go, I guess, on indiehackers.com, on the meetup page to see if there's anything happening in their city. If nothing is happening, just, you know, post on the forum. Is anyone in my city? Let's meet. Really, it can start from a coffee, can start from lunch. Um, I've had, you know, dinners with a few people from London. It was as great as the 80 people meetup we do, right? So really, it's really about that connection with five, 10 people. And that's enough, really. Yeah, some of my favorite meetups are the really tiny ones. And there's a lot of parallels, I think, between running a meetup and running an early stage company, where the way it looks early on when it's small might not be anything like what it's like later on. For example, you might have people coming and presenting and um, you know, presenting slides and giving talks at your bigger meetups, but early on it might be just what you said, three or four people no. sitting around a dinner table, right? Or two people getting coffee can be the start of a meetup. Yeah. It actually is yeah. how most indie hackers meetups get started. Just someone's yeah. like, hey, I'm getting coffee in the city. Are there any indie hackers here who want to join? Kind of like putting up a bat signal in the air. <laughs> and like one or two people will show up and it becomes a regular thing. Yeah, exactly. As I was saying earlier to you, it's a bit my, I have a full-time job and this meetup is a bit my side project. And I think I try to incorporate some of the learning from building products where, you know, you start small, you do things that don't scale, you know, all the things that, that you read out there applies as, as well for, for this type of, let's say, products, this type of events. So yeah, we'll encourage, encourage anyone listening to go have a coffee with another Indiaka, go have lunch, um, go have dinner go to the library, book a room, you know, there's plenty of options, right? Yeah, tons of options. Like for me, my favorite use case is just putting up a meetup to meet people when I'm traveling in a foreign country because it's guaranteed there's going to be some indie hackers there who are down to talk shop. What do you get out of this? As somebody who you said your your primary side project is really this meetup outside your full-time job, what's the biggest way that hosting a meetup improves your life, Jaslan? As the organizer, the advantage I have, I guess, is that I get to meet everyone because I go and try to greet everyone, make everyone feel welcome, try to understand what everyone is working on. The speakers we have often, it's people that are very successful. So, you know, it's very interesting then to, to keep in touch with them. So I guess the incentive for me, which kept me motivated to keep doing it personally, is that I'm growing my network. So as I was saying earlier, my goal at the beginning was to meet other indie hackers, grow my network, and then that's exactly what I get out of the meetup. So that's that's the main motivation and then so when i feel you know it's a bit difficult of you know finding the time i remind myself that this is the objective of getting to meet people and then 
the meetup happens. I spent an amazing three hours getting a lot of energy for the from all the attendees, and I just just go back and try to put the next one together. I got a ton of energy too going to the meetups. So when I came to ND London last year, it was sort of a trip. I stopped in Ireland first, and we had a meetup there. I think there was like sixty people there, and I interviewed John Carlson, a sort of a live podcast episode. And then I came to ND London, and we did that awesome workshop day. And then I flew back to Toronto. And Henry, who runs a meetup there, did this cool unconference format where everybody could sort of suggest topics they wanted to talk about. And we broke up into sessions to talk about those things and then reconvened. Uh, and then I came back to SF and there's a meetup. Yeah. And after like four meetups in a row over two weeks, I was so energized. Like all I wanted yeah. to do was code. All I wanted to do was build something. There's something about it just being like a, a guaranteed refresher. If you're ever feeling down, if you just yeah. go to a room full of a bunch of other people, if I go to Microconf or if I decide I want to have a small meetup in SF and I just put a little post on the website and people show up, it's always just super motivating. The best thing someone said at the meetup was someone came to me. I think it was, you know, we have a lot of regulars and he came to me and he said, yeah, you know, last time there was this thought by Pete about putting his project out there, putting a landing page. And, you know, I went home and I did exactly that. And now... I'm selling my software and I've got, you know, 10 sales already. And I was like, wow, you know, it, we made an impact, right? There was something came out out of it. So, and I'm sure now it's multiplied, you know, by 10, 15 across everyone attending. So just thinking that, you know, a bit of time that I, I give to put that together, having those three hours every, every three months or so enables so many people to create and to be, to be productive and to, to fulfill, I guess, their goal and their dream. So, I mean, there's what what more do we want, right? So what goes into running a meetup exactly? Like what are the essential boxes you need to check off if you're deciding to, to try to do one of these? I think the main one, which helped at the beginning, was making sure your communication with the attendees is right. So when we start, so someone that's probably listening and wants to start, I would encourage you to, you know, put up, a WhatsApp group, a Telegram group, because when it's, you know, only two, three, ten people, that's the best way to connect. Later on, let's say you, you figured this out. I guess the main checkbox is location because it's an offline event. So you have to find a place where to meet. But again, in our case, we were lucky first to have a friend that could give us some space. Then we had Stripe in London that gave us some space. Now that we have outgrown, I spent some time trying to build a relationship and find you know, comp- bigger companies that could, you know, bigger spaces that could host us. So in terms of logistics, yeah, the main one is finding a space and goes back a bit to some advice I've heard in the podcast, which is how do I find a space? Well, it's called a lot of cold outreach. So in the end, I end up doing a lot of sales, emailing locations saying, hey, we have this event, can you host us? Or emailing speakers, hey, you know, I saw you last time at the event, would you, would you like to speak? So practice your cold outreach skills and it's a good it's a good training for that. Yet another way that starting a meetup is kind of similar to starting a business. Do you think you'll ever monetize your meetup and turn it into kind of a business of its own? So I thought about it at the very beginning, or I thought about it at the very beginning, but then I felt like I was worried to decrease the value of it, let's say. Um so for instance, the obvious one is charge the attendees, but I think given what I've just explained in terms of how we can enable people, how much people can get energy, I don't think that would be the right thing to do. So now that the meetup has grown to a certain size, I've been thinking of you know taking on sponsorship because they are obviously 
80 bootstrap entrepreneurs in the same room, it's, you know, an opportunity for companies to, to spread the word about themselves. So that's something I've been slowly, slowly working on, but I haven't been worried about that, to be honest. Um, if people come and enjoy it enough in terms of cost for me, it's a couple of hours here and there. On the day, really, I've had help from Stripe at the beginning, from Email Octopus recently for everything that has to do with food and drinks. So, you know, I keep it, I keep it simple. I try not to worry about it. Did you see this, um, this post we put in the Slack earlier this week? I think the offer will be expired by the time this episode comes out, but, uh, Postmark, who yep. I use for sending transactional emails, they're doing, uh, meetup sponsorships and they're paying, you know, anyone who's hosting a qualified meetup. $300 to sort of cover pizza and the space and anything like that. And there's lots of companies that I think yeah. have initiatives like this, which is so cool because it's a way to basically do something a little bit more upscale, a little bit more, I think, useful for attendees and easy for them because you're providing food, et cetera, while also promoting another company. Yeah. And we were talking earlier about what goes into putting a meetup and the logistic of finding a place. And here again, tons of company would love the opportunity to have developers, to have entrepreneurs in their office, you know, for an evening. So it's, it's an opportunity as well for, to reach out and to, for them to, to spread the word. So, yeah. So what do you think about the ND Hackers meetups program in particular? Because I'm always struggling with how to run this. Um, yep. On one hand, it's super, as we've been talking about over and over, it's just energetic. It's, it's a lot of energy in these rooms. I think the value of one person at an indie hackers meetup is like having 10 or 20 people on the website. But on the other hand, uh, in terms of the scale, the website's massive. So yeah. even though we have, I think, 100 and something meetup founders now, and they're running 16 meetups a month, uh, on any given day, the website will get you know 100 times that many people. So it's hard to say, okay, well, I'm going to spend a whole week implementing meetup-related features on the website. If I could do some change to the forum, it'll affect 100 times as many people. But you're looking at this from the other side. You're an official ND Hackers meetup founder. What do you think about how we run it? What suggestions do you have for how I can make it better? That's that's a tough question in terms of suggestions. I guess what I can share with you is what are the challenges we have? And one of the main challenges, how do I bring offline and online together? Um, Yeah. Because as a product, and that's probably something, I guess, for you to think about and that could be helpful for you as you decide you know, what to work on. The challenge we have is that we provide value. The, the value of the meetup is four hours an evening every three months. And how can I bring value to the attendees? How can I bring value to the, um, to the brand itself or to myself outside of these four hours? So in terms of the attendees, what we have tried to do is build our own Slack community so people get to still connect and talk to each other. So that's, you know, on the attendee side. So maybe here, I don't know if on the forum, there would be a way to tie the meetup section to the attendees, to their profile on Indiacus. Maybe that could be something we could do. Or I guess that could be done. And for ourselves on the meetup side, I guess, what I've tried to do for the brand is start recording the videos and, you know, sharing on the on Twitter, sharing on our personal, our website, sorry, our sharing on the Indie London website. So maybe, I guess, just brainstorming up there if there was a page for the meetup where I could share that video. I guess I've been doing that now with the the new milestone feature you've been doing. So I've been updating a bit the whole story. So probably here, you know, once I have recorded the video, I can put the video and people can start getting the value of the meetup 
out of those four hours of offline interaction. So I think really the challenge is there is how do we, because there is definitely value. So I guess an interesting story is because of the meetup and because of the Slack group, we have one attendee, Johnny, who's working on his um, company called progressionapp.com. So he had been working on it for a year and coming to the meetup, he met, long story short, he met his co-founder. And how it all happened is they kept in touch on Slack. Um, then they went to meet uh, on their own. And now they are co-founding this company. So you see that connection between the meetup that happens offline and how can people still connect online? That's where really the challenge is. And I don't have the solution yet, but I guess that's the that, that's where it is really the pain, I think. Yeah, I think it's really cool that people meet their co-founders and, and collaborate on projects together because they met at an ND Hackers meetup. And I really hear you about bridging this online offline gap because you have this meetup and there's so much energy and people are talking and helping each other and then it's like all right a month or two or three until the next one yeah how does everybody stay in contact so the fact that you have a slack group is really cool and perhaps i could do some sort of uh i don't know nd london group on nd hackers i've been yeah. so tempted to just clone meetup.com's features for the meetup features on nd hackers but it's so much work because yeah, yeah like, i can imagine yeah yeah i mean you you have rsvps and to send email notifications based yeah. on all these different events the location changes the details change to notify people, all sorts of stuff. So I could easily yeah. see myself getting bogged down and coding that for like several weeks. But uh, at some point, I might do that. I'm looking to hire a developer pretty soon for any hackers to work with me. So I'll have some more bandwidth cool. and perhaps I can add some some cool meetup-related features. Yeah, we tried to, as I was saying, we tried to get feedback from people. And one feedback on that exact same point was that at the end of the day, the meetup is for, you know, two, three hours and there is 80 people in the same room. And as an attendee, how can I know who's there? How can I make the most, the most out of it and meet really the people that I care about? And I would love to find a way where it ties back to the IndiaCast profile. So maybe I will, you know, just tell people to share the profile. Maybe there is a simple way to do it. But, you know, to give you some concrete example of where this bridge, you know, you know can be built between online and offline. All right. I'll keep it in mind. Uh, Jaslan, thank you so much for coming on and telling me about your meetup. Can you tell listeners where they can go to learn more about ND London? Yeah, so they can, we have a website, so they can go on IndieLondon.com, IndieLDN.com. Um, we have a product page on Indie Hackers, and you will find um, every time we create a new event, so next one will be in December. So anyone from London listening that haven't been to a meetup yet, you know, you will receive, go check out our page. We have a newsletter, we have a meetup page. And yeah, let's keep in touch. And we, we anyone in London listening, we meet soon, I guess. Thanks so much, Jaslan. Thanks a lot for having me, Cortland. Quick note for listeners. If you're interested in coming onto the podcast like Jaslan to have a quick chat with me, go to ndhackers.com slash milestones and post a milestone about what you're working on. It can be pretty much anything. People like Jaslan have posted about their meetups. Others have posted about launching or finding their first customers. They posted about growing their mailing list or reaching a certain number of Twitter followers or a different revenue milestone. The sky is the limit. So whatever it is you're proud of, come celebrate it on ndhackers.com slash milestones and other ND hackers will help you celebrate. We love supporting each other and encouraging each other when we hit these milestones. And what I do at the end of every week is I take a look at the top milestones posted and reach out to the people who posted them to invite them onto the podcast for a quick chat. So once again, that's ndhackers.com slash milestones. I'm looking forward to seeing what you post. Mm-hmm.